Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians, welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. Have you found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor mathematicians as we co-create meaning together. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. Hey Kim, yeah. did you know that as of today, we that at the time we are recording this, we have over 250k downloads. In fact, oh my we God. have 267,000 downloads of the wow. podcast. That so is I, super fun. I mean, I actually have no idea if that's really any good, but it sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds <laughs> that's amazing. That's like half, it's a quarter million. We're at a quarter yeah. over over a quarter million downloads. So it's, I don't know. Hey, let's go that's for a million. Woo! Okay. All right, y'all. Tell your, fr- tell your friends, tell everybody, let's get a million downloads. That will be exciting. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yep. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew we would... Uh, Who knew hear- people wanted to hear us talk about stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, because Sue real did. math... Sue did, actually. Sue we should- did. We, we should, should totally give her credit. We give yes. Sue is the one. In fact, here's a little short story. Sue is the one that we used to, um, I don't know, go places, do things. We would, we would put on workshops. We traveled and stuff, a lot. Yeah. Travel together. And we'd be in the car and you and me, Kim would beat stuff out. Right. Yeah. Like something would happen at the workshop and we'd be like, what do you think about? And we would mm-hmm. like go back and forth and Sue's a little bit quieter. She doesn't you know, usually jump in as much. She doesn't. <laughs> interrupt us and, and you kind of you? have, you, have between to, us. you have to interrupt if you're going to get in between us right and so every once in a while she would just quietly go we should have recorded that and, I, yeah. and we would say what do you mean record that she's like people would listen to that <laughs> we were like no that's dumb okay here we are yeah all right yeah you cool <laughs> whatever hey so another thing uh that we're going to just quietly announce is that something new and cool and i think you're going to like is coming this week you're going to love it. Just just kind of maybe be aware, podcast listeners, that something new is about to happen. All right, moving yeah. on from that. Very cool. I can make two okay, deals. So there you go. We love hearing from listeners, right? So much Absolutely. fun to get emails and questions and comments that they have as they're listening each week. And so in this episode, we are going to actually answer a fantastic email question that we got from Amanda. So thanks, Amanda. Check out this. I'm actually going to read the email, everybody. Ready? Because this is fun. Here we go. So Amanda said, hi, 
First of all, I want to thank you. Well, Amanda, you're welcome. That's excellent. Uh, I have learned so much from you. I'm a K-5 math coach. I've participated in your recent challenge, including... Woohoo! Hey, in fact, uh, y'all, we're trying to become the challenge math educators. Like, we want to yeah. be that in that space where you, if someone says challenge and math class, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, join the, the Math is Figure Outable Challenges. Um, she said she joined the backstage. She has she has a shirt. Woo! The math is cool. shirt. Very nice. Everybody needs one of those. Everybody needs one of those. Uh, absolutely. Which I, we sell somewhere, right? On the, on yeah, the website. On the website. And to be clear, listeners, my goal on everything that we sell merch wise is to break even. So we yeah. we price those things as um, absolutely. What's the word I want? Less as least as little as least le- less expensive as. Thank you. The cost is as lo- little as we can make it so there that we don't, so I don't lose money. Um, but it's, it's literally that because you guys are teachers. I want to, I want it to be as affordable as possible. Uh, and so we do that on purpose anyway. So g- great job getting your shirt, Amanda. All right. So she said, I've watched your free class. Ah, so listeners, if you don't know that we have a free workshop, Kim, tell tell us about it. Oh, they got to see this, right? Development of mathematical reasoning. Bam. It's amazing. It is the best free workshop you will ever, ever get to see. Holy cool. We, I went and did my most asked for professional learning with a yep. group of teachers live. We've videoed it, turned it into an asynchronous online workshop, and it is available completely for free. com slash free workshop. Yep. Is it free dash workshop? Hmm. I think it's, it's one of those. I think it's free workshop. <laughs> if you'll just uh, go to the, the website, mathisfairable.com, one of the very first things that you'll get to is, uh, like she said, developing mathematical reasoning. Check it out, totally free. Anyway, so she says, I've watched your free class. Excellent. And listen to the podcast. Woo! Here we're on the podcast. I am going to sign up for both your addition and multiplication classes this round. Well, that's fabulous, Amanda. Yay! We need one of those mm-hmm. sound things yeah. where we can go... <laughs> <laughs> We don't have one of those. We, need one we of those. do not. No, we do not. Kim's like, no, we're not adding that to the podcast. I'm kind of agreeing with you on that. But but that means that I'm going to make those noises. Is that a good yeah. idea? I don't know. Okay. She's done all the things. I mean, it's fabulous. Yeah. And you are going to love both the addition and multiplication workshops. Absolutely love it. Let yeah. me tell you, when I answered Amanda, one of the things that I said was like, wonderful to have you in two workshops. However, now that we know that you're a leader... Do you know that we have a thing called Journey Leader, yes. which is not time sensitive? You can sign up at any time. So leaders, if you're listening right now or anyone who might uh, be interested in taking two workshops for just a little bit more, you get access to all my online workshops, plus extra leader support, plus everything wonderful in Journey. So yeah. leaders, make sure that uh, you're aware that we we can we can do you better. Um, so yeah. anyway, so I, I told her about that in the in the reply. Cool. So then she said, I'm looking really closely at your 16 page booklet that you shared at the recent mm, challenge. Yeah. That might be one of my favorite freebies. Yeah. Like we give away so a lot of stuff, good. right? We're yeah. trying to flood the earth with real math and real math yeah. teaching. So we created a, a free e-booklet. It's called the, um, what is it called? <laughs> we named it a couple different things. Major numeracy strategies. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where you can get that at mathisforgotable.com slash big, like B-I-G, big, because it's big, y'all. So if you have not downloaded that yet, check it out. Anyway, so she had downloaded it. We'd given it to uh, all of our last challenge participants. She said, without writing a very long email, chuckle, chuckle, 
I'm really thinking about how to support teachers, both in their identities as mathematicians. Absolutely. Like I can't support that more. That's fabulous. Uh, She says, which sadly, most elementary school teachers do not feel they are mathematicians the way they know they are readers, writers. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. that I Mm -hmm. think many elementary teachers would relate to that. They consider themselves readers and writers and they teach that and they, but, but as they teach math, they don't necessarily consider themselves mathematizing even at that grade level. She said, and how to help them up their math teaching game. Fabulous. We, We support that goal. Absolutely. Then she says, there's a relatively finite group of strategies for early addition and subtraction. I think is, oh, let me, let me pause there. We would agree with that, that there is a relatively finite group yes. of strategies for not only early addition subtraction, but really kind of everything we do. So mm-hmm. pick an operation, pick uh, writing the equation of a line, uh, writing a function rule for exponential data, like pick, uh, I'm trying to think of a middle school example, uh, solving a proportion, like pick a thing. And I think there is a finite uh, set of important strategies, mm-hmm. the strategies that, that we really want and need kids to own so that they can sort of be successful enough. Yeah. So that's important. We'll, we'll sort of grant you that. Then she said, I think it's almost freeing for teachers because it can give them a measurable goal as opposed to the vast openness that many felt from Common Core. Now, I would suggest that that was a little bit of an anachronistic. It, it didn't, they didn't have to feel that from Common Core. Um, I think they might have felt that more from materials that came up along yeah. with Common Core, not just like the standards themselves. But I would agree that many people felt this vast openness, like that there mm-hmm. was this infinite set of relationships and strategies and and, and so we should just, just teach the algorithm because what, what is all the rest of yeah, the stuff? We can't, we can't, yeah. yeah, yeah, we can't quantify it. We can't like list it all out. So I agree with you that that was a little tricky for uh, many people. So she says, I'm really looking forward to working with these strategies this year. Well, Amanda, we think that's a fabulous idea. And we would encourage all leaders to do that very thing. Like download the, the slash big mathisfairable.com slash big and use it all you want. Use it with your teachers, yeah. use it with anybody that you work with. We are putting out that this is the research. This is the part of my work that I've done to say, here are the important strategies. And it's this fairly limited, finite set. Okay. So here's the meat then of her question. She says, so, thank you, Amanda. So I have observed a common subtraction strategies that kids use that I think belongs on your early list. And then she Mm. says, I'm not trying to be presumptuous here, LOL. But I'm very interested in your reasoning why you didn't put it on. Well, that's fabulous, Amanda. Like, yep. I really appreciate that. And and may I invite everybody to push back? Like, yes. I would really invite your insights about what you think the major strategies are. And uh, I'm going to tell you today what I think about your idea and uh, why we're going to include it or not on our major strategies list. But if anybody else has other operations or or areas in math where you think you've got a major strategy that I haven't considered, absolutely, that is a possibility. That is maybe even a probability because there's a lot of math and there's a lot of different things to consider. I have thought really deeply for quite a while about the four operations, but but I still want your I still would really welcome your input. Okay, Kim, is there any that you want to talk about before I, I read the rest of the email? Well, I, I, I'm interested to hear what the strategy is. Right, right. Okay, so she said, here it is. Take from the 10. 
Now remember, this is a, a small subtraction strategy, small number subtraction strategy. So she said, for example, for 15 minus 7, if it's a take from 10 strategy, for 15 minus 7, think 10 minus 7 is 3, but then you have to tack that 5 back on. You sort of ignored the 5 and the 15, mm -hmm. and you just like 10 minus 7, that's 3. Then you're going to bring that 5 back that you ignored, so 3 plus 5 is 8. So 15 minus 7 is 8. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In fact, as I say that, Kim, am I right? You used that strategy as a as a small child. Um, that's a great question. I'm I'm thinking. I I have yes used that strategy. Okay. Um, let, maybe let me maybe I'll do another example before we get into okay. it. Like, it just okay. occurred to me people yeah. might need a little bit more. Yeah. So how about fourteen minus six? So fourteen minus six. I'm going to ignore the four. I'm going to take from the ten. So ten minus six is four. Uh -huh. but I ignored that other four. That's kind of a dumb problem. Sorry, but I'll, I ignored the other four. So I have the 10 minus six is four, but the four I ignored, I put back on. So four and four is eight. Let me do one more. 17 minus nine. I'm going to ignore the seven. So I'm going to think about 10 minus nine. That's one. But I got to bring that seven back. One plus seven is eight. So 17 minus nine is eight. So the take from 10 strategy. So Kim, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are you thinking about that strategy? Um, so I like it. I think uh -huh. it's a it's a really great strategy that you um when when you say didn't you use that strategy I have used that strategy for slightly larger numbers I I don't know that I ever used it for what I would consider these are um, kind of basic facts okay. um I have because I know combinations of a hundred really well then I have used it for say like a problem like one fifty nine minus 26, then I would set aside the 59, do the 100 minus 26 part to get 74, and then just add back that 59 on. But here lies the problem for me. Then I, then I have to think about a problem like 74 plus 59. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not as, it's a little crunchier for me than just subtracting the 26 in a really nice way. So I have used this strategy. And and also we were just in a, in a situation a couple of days ago, almost a week ago, where we saw this strategy being used mm -hmm. by a participant in a workshop. And so I, I think we both recognize this as a strategy and have made sense of this as a strategy. Can I tell you what I think though? <laughs> I, I don't... You you can't, well, before you do, so it, it's a strategy. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. We can understand why students would use it. It works. Yeah. It's uh -huh. uh, mathematically coherent. Uh -huh. Okay. When you say, can okay. I tell you what you think? Can you tell us what you think? Uh, finish your sentence. I don't think it's a major one. Yeah. So cause that, cause that's the question, right? Yeah. The question is, in fact, I'm going to keep reading what, she, what Amanda said. She said, I realize that in a philosophical sense, there are infinite strategies. Yeah. But in a real everyday in the classroom kind of sense, there's a short list of strategies that truly build, or both build and exemplify numeracy. Uh, and then she gives an example. It's just like reading and writing. By reading and writing, we are both building and exemplifying literacy. I think these, uh, still Amanda, I think these short lists can be game changers for elementary teachers who feel overwhelmed yeah. and who don't strongly identify as mathematicians themselves. But that yep. said... I think the take from 10 strategy belongs on your list. I'm very mm -hmm. curious to hear. Well, she said that list. I'm saying my list because I'm, yeah, because it's me. <laughs> I'm very curious to hear what you and Kim think. All right. So Kim, 
What you're saying is you're not clear, or maybe you're saying no, that that strategy does not belong. So respectfully, Amanda, Kim is saying no, it doesn't belong on a short list. Well, and I don't know that I have a lot of reasons why other than Mm -hmm. I've completely abandoned that strategy. So, so there's a ping for me that as I've sharpened other really important strategies, that's never one that I went back to. And I feel like if there were a strong need for it in using other strategies, then I would, I would continue to come back to that as something that I I have, like, there's a need for it. And even though I love combinations of a hundred combinations of a thousand combinations of 10, Mm -hmm. I've abandoned it. It seems like a pretty, mm, it's, it seems less sophisticated than other strategies that I would want to motivate students to make use of. So I'd like to dive in on that comment, that it seems less sophisticated and agree with you that, sorry, Amanda, I'm also going to suggest that it's not going to go on the, on the major shortlist. But let's be really clear that it probably is on a shortlist of strategies that students will create themselves. Yeah. So it is a fairly, especially if you're working with I Have You Need, which is mm-hmm. our, our wonderful routine that helps develop partners of 10, partners of 100. Mm-hmm. If you're working to develop partners of 10, students are going to recognize those partners of 10 and they mm-hmm. very well might use your take from 10 strategy. Yep. Um, in fact, I wonder if y- y'all, if you've been listening to the podcast for very long, you or any of the workshops that, that we have, I often tell the story about my oldest son when he came home from first grade with subtraction with regrouping and he used a strategy that he made up on his own to solve problems. And, uh, and I can't, I, I always usually say when I tell the story, I'm like, I don't really remember what he did that year, but then I will tell you what he did the second year. Cause I remember mm-hmm. that one better. But when I saw this email, Amanda, thanks for the ping. I think this is the one he developed the first year. Mm-hmm. I, I think when he had a problem, like, I don't know, something like 39 minus 14, no, that's not 34 minus 19 is the one I usually use. So if you think about 34 minus 19, instead of carrying or, or regrouping to make it uh, 14 minus nine, I think he thought about 10 minus nine and then added the four. Mm-hmm. So he still brought the 10 over, but he didn't add it to the four. He's like, I'm going to grab this 10 over there from the 30 and I'm going to subtract whatever I need to subtract the nine. But then I had that four over there that I ignored. And so I'm going to tack that back on that to mm-hmm. me, that feels very um, connected. Would you agree, Kim? Mm-hmm. Those are connected. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, I wonder, because I didn't have a lot of instruction in my young years um, about strategies and numeracy and you know, it was very traditional upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that was my similar story that I kind of tinkered with numbers and made that up, which is why I recognized, you know, when you first mentioned it. Well, and, I, and it makes sense to me that as teachers are saying things like, bring this 10 over here, grab mm-hmm. that 10 from over there. There's this 10 floating around when you're discussing regrouping or borrowing mm-hmm. that kids that are thinking about relationships might go, well, then I'm just going to deal with that 10. Yeah. I'm not going to tack it on to whatever it is. I'm just going to deal with that, subtract that. I got that 10 there. Oh, but but then I did have that number. I'm going I'm to deal with it later. So Amanda, I think I would completely agree that this is on the short list of strategies that students might develop themselves that we could support and help students reason through as they are uh, sort of developing their numeracy. However, I'm not going to put it on the list, uh, the short list of important strategies that I want all students to develop. That's a different list. 
the list that we want all students to develop is a very specific list, kind of like you said, where we're really trying to encourage kids to to become numerate. Um, That list needs to be the list that kids should learn. I'm trying not to say have to learn, but in order for them to be really fluent, there is a short list of strategies that we want students to think about, to, to own. We want them to own the relationship so the strategy becomes a natural outcome. Let me say that again. It's not about memorizing these strategies. It's about developing mental mathematical relationships, developing these connections between numbers so that certain strategies become natural outcomes. They become sort of natural things to do for kids. That short list doesn't need this take from 10 strategy. Let me tell you one reason why. Kim kind of suggested that it was a little bit less sophisticated. Let me, let me support that. It is very much like all of the least sophisticated strategies that are in that booklet that are listed first. So if you go look at the addition, major addition strategies for, for multi-digit, major subtraction strategies for multi-digit, the very first strategy often that's listed is a partial strategy. Partial sums, partial products, maybe partial differences. We don't really suggest partial, sorry, partial differences with the one we don't usually suggest. Partial mm-hmm. quotients might be one. Partials is the first kind of bedrock kind of beginning, less sophisticated strategy. And and it's the one that we're going to emphasize the least. We're going to do a little bit with it and move on. Mm -hmm. Kids, as soon as we're working with uh, multiplication of multi-digit numbers, we're thinking smart partial products. We're not taking all the numbers. And now we do a little bit of it where we split them into place values. So kids are really thinking about the place values involved. But this feels like, let me split the number up by place value. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I'm not looking at your the email anymore. Let me go back to the email. So for example, the 17 minus nine, you're splitting the 17 into 10 and seven. That's a very splitting by place value, very partial kind of uh, an idea, dealing with the 10 and then tacking back on the seven. So A, it's that that's substantiates the fact that it's kind of a beginning strategy. But B... It also, if I get kids that are only doing that, kids only ever deal with 10 minus a single digit. They don't ever grapple with 17 minus nine. They kick out the seven, deal with the 10 minus nine, and then kick back the seven. Well, I'm not going to tell students not to do it. I'm not going to actively try to create it in all students because I don't want students to stay there. I want students to think about 17 minus nine. And what does it look like? How do, how can I think about that? And what, where, what are friendly numbers near there? Can I subtract seven to get to 10? And then what do I have left to subtract? Can I subtract too much, subtract 10? And then how would I need to adjust? So we really want to develop the major relationships like subtract to a friendly number or subtract a friendly number. Those will carry students further in both single digit uh, relationships and in the multi-digit relationships. We need those to continue on. So either getting to a friendly number or subtracting to subtracting a friendly number, either one of those are, go, are more important. So yeah. I hope that kind of clarifies. Kim, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I appreciate your second point that they deal and grapple with bigger and bigger numbers, which is something that um, we need, we need them to, to do have experience doing right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. One other just small thing that I'll mention 
is this to me is similar to where CGI, cognitively guided instruction, uh, wonderful research. I'm so super glad that they did it. And, and we've, we've learned a ton from it. But sometimes people can get lost in the weeds a little bit as they uh, dive into CGI research, where they'll really start to think about, okay, sometimes kids, and, and, and basically CGI did a great job of identifying things like uh, when I'm subtracting, so say that 17 minus nine, sometimes kids will go 17 and put up a finger, 16 and put up a finger, and then put up, kid, continue to put up fingers until they put up nine. And then, then what's the answer versus a kid that goes 17 and then starts to count 16, 15, 14. And so they don't count the 17. They count sort of where, and then the answer is different. One way, the answer is where you land. The other way is the answer. And and y'all, I'm not even going to be clear on which of those two. Did you notice how fuzzy I just left all that? Because I don't actually want you to be super clear about that because that's not our goal. I'm not saying this well. Our goal isn't to help students get better at those two strategies. Once kids can count and they realize they should be removing, we don't want them removing one by one. We want to help them remove bigger chunks. So we want to move to these relationships that we're just talking about. So I, when I work with teachers in CGI research, we just mention that that is what they notice that kids will do. But I don't dive into it and make a big deal of it because I don't want you to then go, hey, everybody, you better learn this subtraction strategy. And now learn this, not not if we're counting by ones. No, no, not like we, we want to be moving to additive reasoning. So, so part of our answer today, Amanda, is that all of the strategies that we're going to recommend as the major, the ones that we need to help students develop are the ones that help students move forward. Yeah. Not, yeah, there, there you go. That's maybe yep. I'll just leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> so you and I both have other strategies that we like, right? Other strategies that we find interesting, mm-hmm. but, a, and, and, and I'll just say that one of, one of my favorites I find really interesting is the swapping strategy for addition. I love it, but it's and- not one that I work with problem strings and a, lo- a lot of intensive work with my students because we have a limited amount of time, right? It's not like, Mm -hmm. it's not like Mm -hmm. we have 300 days every year with our kids. And so given that we have very specifically outlined ones that we know move math forward, we know are uh, super important for kids to know. And that's why, you know, you took the time to outline them in this um, e-booklet that Mm -hmm. you have made available to everybody so that they would know where should I spend my time. Hey, uh, you just made me think of something. So Amanda, as you're working with teachers, I think it would be a fine thing to have them see some, some, in fact, Amanda sent a couple of videos of some students using the strategy. Totally believe that kids do it. Um, I think you could absolutely use some of that to help teachers recognize what students are doing. Just Mm -hmm. be really clear that then it's not a strategy that we want to write problem strings for, that we want to have students really be dealing with a lot. It's, It's not one that we actively are trying to create in all students. If students are doing it, we support them in it, but it's not the one that we're actively creating in everybody. Just like swapping. Let me just say one other thing about swapping. Swapping's cool because we can write some really nice give and take uh, st- problem strings to develop the give and take strategy. And, and if we write them uh, in a super slick way, we can be kind of extending students who are ready because they begin to, to play with swapping while other students who are who need more experiences just continue building the swapping strategy. So it's good for teachers to know the landscape. 
We want teachers to know the swapping strategy, but we also want them to be clear. It's not one of the ones that you're trying to fit in your scope and sequence to make sure you get to by the end of the year, if that's your operation for that year. Does that make sense, Kim? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, y'all, don't forget our little tease. Be on the watch for something new that's going to happen this week or maybe be on the listen for it. All right, thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figureoutable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.